Hey, welcome to PodFest 32. Three back-to-back conversations with real people of entertainment, politics, science, medical, or even cooks in their own kitchen. PodFest 32 features a celebration of sound with the group Kansas, who is officially turning 50 years old. We're going to be with Billy Greer. If you're into streaming movies, put Maze Runner on your list. My second conversation will be with actor Blake Cooper. And then we're headed into a moment of constant awareness and laughter with the legendary Bob Newhart. This is PodFest 32. Hey, it's Arrow. There was something about the music of the 1970s that continues to pour volumes of influence onto our modern oversaturation of iPods, Microsoft tablets, and other digital devices. Rather than stack spools of black vinyl in the corners of our bedrooms, today's fan of music took a two-decade timeout during a generation of creative release called the Compact Disc. They're expensive, awkward for the front seat of the car, and being the former Montana champion of using 45s and albums as the next best thing to a Frisbee, CDs look bright and beautiful like a peacock, but they soared through the air like a monkey with a jetpack attached to its back. Now, I'm not shocked when I hear fans of music are discovering the artwork and layout of a 1970s act. It was a simmering stew of every nation and style. The 1970s had harmonies that were genuine, and the lyrics were the farthest thing from embarrassment. But today's listeners are smarter. Music isn't just about the band. Each thump of the pie arrives with a chunk of the cake. For there to be music, the requirement was unity. And that's where fans use their digital devices to uncover the history of legendary bass guitarists such as Billy Greer. You know him, but you might not truly know the roots that have become the modern crop. Today on iHeartRadio, we are unplugged and totally uncut with the bass guitarist and background vocalist for the group Kansas, But what you probably don't know is that he's always been the leader of the group 7th Key. And afraid how many times I prayed this darkness would clear. I try to be strong, but I don't always feel I belong. Mr. Billy Greer. Oh, really? 
Hey, hello. How are you? Doing very well. Man, I'll tell you what. All I want to do is sing, I will survive. But i got to figure out which part of the harmonies I want to be with. <laughs> well, we'll just pick one and go with it. <laughs> Man, you have always been attached to some brilliant harmonies. What, what's going on inside of that head of yours to be able to create such high harmonies at that? Well, I've been with Steve Walsh all these years in Kansas, so, uh, you know, there's some good harmonies going on there. So uh, I, I, that's just always been important to me, even from, from the first band that I had with my brother back in, back in the 60s. It, the harmonies were important. We, we were inspired by the Beatles to, uh, to put our band together and become musicians to begin with. And so, you know, harmonies has just always been important for me. I love it, the way critics explain that you are a guy that one band isn't good isn't good enough. How, does that make you feel like, well, I'm creative, but man, that's kind of not so nice to me. But are you just one band's not good enough for you, or what? Yeah, it, it's not so much that, but it's just I, I enjoy working, and uh, this was a chance for me, you know, having uh, joined Kansas, which pretty much had a, a you know a structure to it already as far as the songwriting was concerned with Carrie and with with Steve. And uh, it, it, I just didn't kind of fit into that structure. So uh, performing this the Seventh Key Project gave me an outlet for my creativity and for a chance for me to be the lead singer and, and show my my abilities as a, as a lead vocalist because I've, I've kind of lived in, in Steve's shadow since I've been playing with him since 1980. And before that, I was always the lead singer in the bands that I was involved in. So it's not so much I, I've got to have a project going all the time, but it, it's a chance for you know me to shine the light on me for a while. See, and that's what's so funny about music. A lot of people think that that lead vocalist is the main star, but you got to look beyond the be- the band, and you're proof of that because you bring that energy behind everything. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, it's an honor and a privilege, believe me, to have played with Steve and... and uh, and for, to have him pick me to be you know, his backing vocalist in the band, uh, Streets, and then on coming on with him to Kansas. So, you know, he's one of my favorite vocalists, and I've learned so much from him and gained a lot of confidence because of him. So, but, uh, you know, again, I just, you know, needed a way for my, my songwriting ability to be showcased as well as my vocal ability. And uh, it was just important for me to have that outlet, and that's what Seventh Key gives me. When, when you speak of the structure of, of Kansas and in listening to your song, I Will Survive, there is it too many preachers using your music inside their messages, or is there really, are you guys really the first contemporary Christian band to cross over? Because it seems like Carry On Wayward Son, Dust in the Wind, even I Will Survive, that has kind of a Christian flavor to it. Are you? Uh, well... I, I, I don't purposely do that. I just try to make, you know, give the lyrics in my song some importance and, and make them, you know, something that I won't be ashamed to sing. It's, you know, as I get older and older, you know, it's kind of sad sometimes seeing, you know, people in their 80s singing about, you know, a 17-year-old girl. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but some of the older bands that, that didn't, the, the lyrics, you know, I'm I'm pleased that, the lyrics that were written for Kansas that we're singing now, we're not ashamed. They're, they're still relevant, you know? It, it's uh, it's uh, songs about searching and, and trying to find something in your life. And, and I guess that's, that's what, what my lyrics are about, too. 
Now, when you look beyond the lyrics and you realize that the song or the project, the I Will Survive Project, actually started in 2008 and it's happening five years later. Is this yeah. is this about surviving the recession and surviving the changes in America? What is the song about? It's not so much. It's, it's, it's more of, of just some total, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, some uh, watching TV, I saw the word total appear on that and I said it. <laughs> uh, it it's more of, of just some, some rough things that happened to me personally, and and it's my state of mind about, you know, of uh, being a, an optimist and knowing that things will get better in your life if you just hang in there and uh, let things run the course. And, and that, that's basically a simple message that the song, uh, that, that I'm trying to convey and that takes the song. I, what I love about the video is that when you visually see you guys singing in those harmonies of I Will Survive, you pull me in. It, are videos important to you even even now in your career? Well, they, they are as far as let, letting people get a chance to, to see who, who's doing what and who's singing what and who's playing what. Uh, it's a great promotional tool. I mean, it's... Uh, I guess I guess they are just, just as a promotional tool. Uh, um, I, I, don't, I don't particularly care to make videos. Uh, it's, it's just a long, tedious process to me. But uh, I mean, I, I remember in Kansas m- making some of our first videos when I joined the band, and would sit around and you know fly to California and get up and you know the crack of dawn and and sit and make up and then sit there for half a day to, to finally at 10 o'clock at night they call you in and shoot you for 10 minutes and, and, and okay we're done that's a wrap you know uh, so it's just a tedious process for me have you ever looked in the mirror Billy and, and, and said wow the songs that I've been a part of have actually changed people's lives does that ever enter your thoughts or imagination well yeah it does actually when you travel the world and, and you do a song like Dust in the Wind and and uh, and you start singing that, and you see, you know, people from you know, in South America, kids that you know were fifteen years old, and, and singing that song, and it, oh my gosh, what 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 an impact that that song and Carry On Wayward Son and things like that. What what an impact those songs have had in people's lives all over the world. And and you get feedback now with the internet, with Facebook, with you know, I've got a billygreer.com is my website and it has a link where you can email me as well so I, I, I kind of put myself out there for the fans so you can you know, email some people and tell them you know, that song got me through my, a rough time and so it's, it's really important How have you preserved that voice? Because your voice is still so perfect I, I don't know I, I, I smoked up until 10 years ago I finally gave up the habit and I, 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 I was just blessed with a really high range and I think that's probably one of the reasons that I got the job working with Steve Walsh to begin with, is our our voices were um, pretty similar in timber and in range. So that's what he needed to finish out the lineup of his band, Streets, when he left Kansas back in 1980 and put that band together. And then, you know, coming back to Kansas, uh, again, he needed a, a good backing vocal, someone who could... Uh, the high parts and uh, kind of take the you know the pressure off of him having to hit those high parts every night. As we've gotten older, you know, it, it's it's important that we uh, we share the load there, and and that that's what happens now. There's, you know, I'll, I'll sing high parts and give him a break, and and uh, but that way we're able to work more shows, and you know, not have to blow your voice out.
Which is pretty interesting because you play the bass guitar. You're singing the high parts, but you're playing the bass guitar. That that that's like an oxymoron there. <laughs> I guess it is. But that, that's that's the way it is. That's the way it is. What what I love about the song "I Will Survive" is it brings it brings back the days of radio as well as music when you would put that 45 or that album on, and there was such a great mixture of keyboards with the bass guitar, the guitars, and the vocals. I find myself wanting to drive over the speed limit listening to this song. Well, that's great, Dan. That's great. <laughs> because it makes you want to listen longer to it, and then all of a sudden you start searching for more, searching for more. And is there more beyond Billy Graham or Billy uh, Greer dot com? Um, well, well, time will tell. You know, I, I started this too with, with in the back of my mind. Well, well, when will Kansas break up? How many more years do they have in them? I mean, there was talk of Kansas breaking up in the year two thousand, and of course that's been fourteen years ago now. But uh, you know, that keeps going on. So I was just kind of making, you know, a life after Kansas possible. So that that was another reason that I started this project as well, is, is that I could have a musical life if Kansas decided to break up or call it quits or whatever. So, but we'll see, you know. Now, when you, when you spin off and do a project like this, is it like what Gene Simmons says, that it's an opportunity for you guys to go out and explore new ideas and bring it back to the origin? Uh, well, it was an opportunity for me to showcase my personal talents. Uh, like, I, I, I kind of li- live uh, in the shadow of Steve, because Steve is the lead vocalist for Kansas, even though I do cover some of his high parts and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I've been a lead vocalist in bands uh, before I joined up with Steve. So uh, this, this gave me a chance to showcase my talent as a lead singer and as a songwriter. Well, the the world has waited way too long to hear you as a lead vocalist, and when they discover this song, they're going to realize that Billy Greer really should be a lead vocalist. The song is brilliant, and I wish you the absolute best luck from this moment forward, sir, and thank you for everything that you have given to us in music. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate it. Can you tell me anything about yourself? Who you are, where you came from? Can you tell me your name? I, uh, I can't remember anything. Hey, it's Arrow. I heard radio. The biggest movie in the country is Maze Runner. Day one, Greeny. Rise and shine. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Chuck. It's actor Blake Cooper. What is this place? Welcome to Blake. Hey, Blake, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Hey, the organization in your movie is WCKD. That sounds like a radio station to me. So how do you know that you're not in a maze right now, bud? Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> is this the Matrix? What? What is it? God. No. Why did you put that idea in my head? Number one movie of the weekend. That's got to be a great feeling. Oh, yeah. It's it's incredible. I, I cannot explain how how happy I am. It's awesome. Now, you know, that means that a lot of writers and producers are going to be watching you and they're going to start sending scripts in your direction. What kind of movie won't you do right now? Anything that involves romance? Probably no. Yeah, I don't think I'm ready for that. What would you like to do for a movie? Pretty much uh, a copy of The Maze Runner. Yes. <laughs> the same thing. No, um... Yeah, yeah, it's like a like a, a sort of like the, the genre that The Maze Runner is. Like, Man, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, action thriller like that was like it's it's that's my genre <laughs> that's my genre you being a gamer man i mean this is oh, yeah. fun to take you on with this that would be awesome i love video games so much <laughs>
<laughs> is that what you did when you when you would get off the set? You just go there and start playing games. I didn't actually have like a, an Xbox with me, but luckily Dexter. Uh, Dexter Darden had an Xbox and, you know, for a free time, he just play, you know, Call of Duty uh, and just do nothing and just play that, which was a nice take back to home. Do you think that your uh, passion for gaming actually comes with your Brazilian martial arts background? <laughs> I mean, because really, what what is it? It's mind, body, and soul. It's the open fist. And being in Brazil, that means you're going to the ground really quick. So you, you've got to be able to be five steps ahead of the competition. Yeah, gaming is definitely uh, multiplayer. Multiplayer gaming is competitive. Man, it's competitive. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rather be in in a uh, in a Brazilian martial arts uh, tournament, or would you rather just uh, you know get in one of those big national or worldly gaming contests? I mean, I'm definitely not skilled enough in capoeira to actually do a tournament. <laughs> like I'm, I literally started like three months ago. Awesome. So you're, you're still a white belt then? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm not good at it really. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it's 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 hard. It's really hard. But uh yeah, I mean a gaming tournament that'd be so cool. Uh just to play against people that are so much better than me and get completely owned, but that'd be fun. <laughs> Now, I'm a second-degree black belt in martial arts, so I want you to take wow. your time when you're going through the Brazilian. I want Do not rush it. Do not try to get to a higher belt faster yeah. because it is a journey. And I, you re, and it's just like your Boy Scouts, man. You, you didn't get to be an Eagle Scout or get that close uh, by, by you know doing it overnight. Like in the case of Brazilian martial arts, you could get hurt if you try to advance too much uh, or too quickly. But you know what? You know what's really interesting? Boy Scout, martial artist, you're a gamer. What do you like on the set of a movie? Because that sounds like a very focused guy. I'm still a kid. I'm not a professional yet. When Dexter and I would play uh, Xbox, like one time we were playing Call of Duty, I was like, yeah, we got to use stealth. And he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, it means be sneaky. And I was like, okay. (laughs) At that time, I actually wasn't doing Capoeira. Uh, It was over a year ago that we filmed. So uh, I was really just a gamer. Uh, and Boy Scouts, uh, but yeah, like toward the like we had like two weeks of uh, rehearsals to do before we actually started filming, and during those two weeks, we did this thing called uh, Maze Runner Camp. Uh, so basically, what that was was um, Wes he he got um, he had a bunch of uh, you know uh, ex-military survivalists come into the into the glade, which is where you know where the movie takes place. They had us go, uh, you know, do, um, you know, make fires and make, like, ladders and shelters and stuff like that. Um, and since I'm a Boy Scout, you know, I, I was familiar with it, but I'm still not really a fire building expert uh, or a not a professional knot tire. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I think uh, it definitely helped with that because, you know, everyone else, they didn't really have uh, the, I mean, they... I, I think I was equally good with fire building and stuff like that than they were, but I was more familiar with it than they were. And you landed that role through Twitter. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it is. I, Twitter was a big help. Yeah. That's so awesome because when you win your first Oscar, will it be through Facebook then? Or what do you think, dude? <laughs> um, I mean, if social media does go that far, I mean, I it's definitely a possibility that they'll be like, all right, let's stop doing these events and just do like Snapchat. <laughs> or hey, something like that the, the Kevin Bacon Six Degrees of Separation You're a musician You love the Beatles and Queen I've talked to members Of both bands I'm on the radio I'm thinking you need to Get in the studio And record music And I'll play your songs Yeah that would be awesome I'd definitely do some covers I, I like the I like the 80s And the, the You know I like I like that 
era of music or Michael Jackson, yeah. like that, those times were probably the best for music. Uh, yeah, because, you know, like the Beatles and Queen were just amazing. They were so good. Uh, and yeah, it's just a revolutionary time for music. Since Brian May has put Queen up in Up on Broadway, and a lot of these bands are starting to tell their story in Broadway form, do you mm-hmm. find yourself going in that direction since you have such a passion for music? I think uh, definitely. I mean, I like yesterday, we, my mom and I, we saw Wicked and Matilda, and they were amazing. Um, and it definitely is encouraging me to maybe try it, like to try Broadway and get more into Broadway. Look at what's happened to Johnny Depp. He put his music career aside for so long, and now he's coming out and playing with Aerosmith and all these other bands. Uh, I mean, I definitely want to. I want to do something with music, like in my acting. I want to combine the two, like you know uh, how you know Glee say, like you know the TV show Glee, how they combine those those two. Uh, you know, that'd be fun to, to sing and act at the same time. Um, and, you know, like Broadway and musicals, that'd be, that'd be really cool. But I am, I am definitely more focused on acting than singing. First, a little bit of sound from Big Bang Theory. And then when we come back, we'll be unplugged and totally uncut with Bob Newhart. Professor Proton... It's an honor to meet you. Uh, just, just call me Arthur. Oh, Leonard. <laughs> Did you hear that? Professor Proton said I should call him Arthur. That means we're friends. No, a, a friend would have, would have told me about the elevator. <laughs> Look at me. I can get as close to you as I want without my mom saying it's going to ruin my eyes. Is, uh, is he dangerous? Actually, he's a genius. I am. That, that doesn't answer my question. Mr. Jeffries, I'm, I'm Leonard. This is my girlfriend, Penny. Hi. Hello. Well, I hope I haven't uh, kept the kids waiting too long for, for the show. Oh, no, there are no kids. No, the, the show's for me. <laughs> Come on, Aracia. <laughs> Arthur. Is the, is the blonde girl really your, your girlfriend? Yes, sir. You're the genius. Good afternoon, Bob. How are you doing today? Doing very well. You know, I am convinced that you are okay, now... tell me where, where Arrow comes from. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was up in Lewistown, Montana, and I was trying to come up with a character for my wife's very first book, and I said, let's call him Arrow. And she goes, but only if we put an E at the end of it. And I said, all right, let's do it. And then when I went back to Billings, Montana, I thought, I don't want to go on the air as, a, as, as my real name. I want to be Arrow. And that's how it all started. Okay. Are you still married to her? No. <laughs> I, I thought... For... <laughs> yeah, see what happens in life. Isn't that crazy? I never ran into that. Did you mean, where you have to change your name? You know, that's, actually, I did. Actually, I'm actually George, George Robert Newhart. See, uh, I like that. Yeah. That's got a good ring to it. Everybody called me Bob, so I, I just... I, and I'm, I'm kind of a Bob. I'm not, I'm not a real George. <laughs> So, like George Bush, I mean, they're, they're distinguished, 
you know, they're presidents, you know. But Bob, I don't, there's never been a Bob, I don't think. If I told you my real name, there's no way I would be this guy. It's Clarence. That's my real name. Oh, I, I, I understand why you changed it. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't like that name. <laughs> they, have, they have names like that in Montana, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> 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 did you ever did you ever get up in that part of the country? Uh, just recently. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to Great Falls. Yeah. And it was Denver. And I, I flew, we flew into Denver and then took uh, one of those regional jets into Great Falls. And it was 24 below zero. Yep. 24 below in November. Yep. In November. Yep. So, so they were taking me around during the day because, as you know, Great Falls, in fact, all of Montana is famous for Lewis and Clark, and they have these these statues of generals. So we, they were showing me, and, and I saw this one statue, and I said, what general was that? And, and the guy who was driving me around said, that's not a general, that's the uh, crossing guard from the high school uh, from last night. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you got to love how Americana everything is, and it's always so different when you when you travel out west. Yeah, yeah. Now I found it. I found it just fascinating, Montana. I just it's it's, it's just uh, such a history, you know. Oh, especially Lewis and Clark. I mean that that was part of our in upbringing in school. If you did not know the Lewis and Clark uh, journey through Montana, and if you didn't go up to the caverns and all that kind of stuff, you didn't graduate from school. You had to physically know that journey. Yeah, well, I, I have a book I'm I'm reading it right now about about Lewis and Clark. It, it's an amazing. I forget what they what they paid for the Louisiana Purchase, but it's it, maybe you know. I don't know. I mean, Alaska was twenty two bucks or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, one one of the most inter- one of the most interesting, interesting one of the most interesting things about purchase, yeah Louisiana and all the way up to Montana. One of the most interesting things about that Lewis and Clark journey was Pompey's Pillar. That's the only place where there, there's documentation on that rock where he actually carved his name into it. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's, it's right there on the Yellowstone River, and what, which they called the river, they called it the Palisades of the Yellowstone, which, I, which gave it really kind of a magical little name. Wow, wow. And he was... Uh, uh, Lewis was, I believe, secretary to uh, Jefferson, wasn't he? Oh, I don't know that. Wow, I just, I just thought that they were two, pe- two you know, people that went out there and, and w- just worked for the guy because they, they needed to just get out there and find some work, and they took that Louisiana Purchase so seriously. No, I, I understand that uh, I could be wrong, and I'm sure your listeners will, will be all over me. <laughs> but I recall... Uh, Lewis or Clark, uh, I think it was Lewis, uh, was a secretary to to Jefferson, and and he wanted to find out about uh, the what the, the recent purchase. Uh, they want they wanted to find the Pacific Ocean. Right. They knew it was out there somewhere, and uh, and that was their job. Uh, I and I think they didn't realize there were these 
huge Rocky Mountains. That that wasn't part of their plan was to was to have to go over these mountains. So it's fascinating a time of history. It, it's it's a time of history that it's it's almost like it, the exploration. If it, it would be like back in the 1800s, what it would have been like if they would have traveled to the moon because it was the wide open space. Yeah, and they'd run into friend, friendly Indian tribes and non-friendly, and uh, uh, yeah, fascinating. I, I can't wait to to read some more. Well, it's it's what you need to do is you need to jump on that digital platform and make a show about it. Go back out there and do some filming. Oh really? That would that would be fascinating to hear you narrate a show of Lewis and Clark. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. I haven't had any offers recently for that, but um, but people are going to think I'm making it up, and it's a true story. It's a it's a fascinating story. It it absolutely is, sir. We didn't even get to talk about the Big Bang Theory. We didn't get to talk about how I think. <laughs> So, so, you know what that means? That means you got to come back on this show in the future. <laughs> Are we out of time? We anyway, are. anyway, it's a great show. Be sure and watch it. And it's a, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you what. You make life fun. And I, and I want to thank you for giving yourself permission for sharing yourself with everybody in the world. Well, thank you, Errol.